From the studios of Boise State Public Radio News, I'm Gemma Gaudet. More Idaho Matters right now. Well, if you're hungry and you like movies, we have got just the film for you. Plus, there are those who say the best part of the Super Bowl are the ads. And one of the most popular ads this year was a movie preview. Here to tell us more and to help us find what to watch this weekend is our resident movie critic and, of course, host of Morning Edition, George Prentice. Hi there, George. Hi, Gemma. Okay, um, let's start with the Super Bowl because, first off, apparently everyone (laughs) in the United States was watching. And then some. So uh, uh, the Super Bowl shattered ratings records. Uh, We have a record high number of people who watch television, an audience of 123 million. Now, that's 123 million that were counted in households. Can you imagine if they included sports bars? Right? Oh, yeah. So yes. uh, the highest rating since, I think, the landing on the moon. I think the moon landing. Right. Uh, as far as percentage of people who watched. But by far, the, the, the highest number of people who ever watched a single event in the history of television. And uh, it also capped off a pretty big year for NFL ratings, which were up across the mm-hmm. board. One other note, and Gemma, you and I talk about this all the time, and that is, you know, what is the last best hope for network television? Well, it's live events, right? It's the exactly. Super Bowl. And yes. uh, last week, the Grammy Awards uh, was a hit. Mm-hmm. It was a 34% increase year over year. And by the way, last year's or last week's Grammys were fantastic. Um, but, uh, you know, fingers and toes crossed for this year's Oscars. And I think a lot of people might be interested in this year's event, especially when you consider the number of artists who are going to be performing their music live, including mm-hmm. uh, Billie Eilish. So live television, right? Live television, who would have guessed, well, is, is a thing again. <laughs> well, and I tell you, just have Taylor Swift go to the Oscars and you'll get 100 million people to watch. That would you, help you know, if they nominated that... her Academy. <laughs> duh. Right, exactly. But, um, <laughs> but as you said, let's talk about these ads. And we yeah. heard that a 30-second ad costs uh, uh, cost this year something like $7 million. So you can wow. imagine when a minute and a half ad went on the Super Bowl this past Sunday mm-hmm. uh, to promote a much-anticipated film, and that was the first trailer for Wicked, uh, the highly-anticipated yes. adaptation of Wicked. Wow. Okay, so George, this was actually the very first ad as soon as kickoff happened was was for wicked big and right about that i can imagine that's probably when most people are watching the thing that surprised me though george too was that how many movie previews were ads during the super bowl i think the studios they're throwing here comes my first football pun but a hail mary right they they desperately need people back in cinemas we also saw some promotions for some streaming events but to your point most of these ads were all ended with in cinemas, right? Or at the mm-hmm. movies opening in March, opening, you know, this summer. And in this case, Wicked doesn't open till Thanksgiving. And number one, right. number two, it's going to be in two parts. So this was... Wait, a, it is? Yes, this this was a trailer what? for part one. So let's take a listen. The best way to bring folks together. Something has changed within me. 
is to give him a real good enemy. <gasps> You're green. I am. Something is not the same. Something just takes over me. And when it does, bad things happen. Once you learn to harness your emotions, the sky's the limit. Well, that is Cynthia Erivo, who plays Elphaba, and Ariana Grande, who will play Glinda in Wicked. And again, Gemma, this is only part one. (laughs) Part two will be sometime in 2025. I think this is a big gamble, by the way, because, you know, movie musicals hit and miss, hit and miss. Oh, but but also, George, I'm just thinking that it's it's like, okay, wait a minute. So I have to go to the movie in yeah. November and see this, and then I have to wait how much longer? That means I have to go probably forget everything that I saw the first time around. You're and then I have to rewatch it. I mean, that that's a lot that that's a big commitment. That's just a big commitment. Now I, I'm fully on board to see it in its entirety if it would just be one. Has this ever been done before, George? I can't think of a musical where it has. We think of epic musicals like West Side Story and My Fair Lady and even Sound of right. Music that actually had yeah. intermissions. Uh, but they were, you know, two-minute intermissions. Um, right. And you stayed basically in the theater. You just went to the restroom. I, you know, we've seen Dune, right, split up into two parts. We saw the most mm-hmm. recent Mission Impossible split into two parts with some success. But if your first part does not rock, oh my gosh, you are going to take a bath in part two. And by the way, social media is not kind to this trailer. Um, The buzz is not all positive for Wicked. So think about this, Gemma. It is, it was, Wicked is such an amazing theatrical experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, the production came to the Morrison Center and blew the roof off, right? And at the Mm -hmm. the end of the first act with that great song, Gravity, when Alphaba just literally flies up into the air. And then there's the, the major mechanical wizard and the flying monkeys. But those were really theatrical experiences. And... On a, in a movie, we see this kind of stuff all the time. So I'm wondering where is the magic when it is one-dimensional, right? Mm-hmm. Where is the magic to Wicked? I think this is going to be a gamble. And by the way, the musical runs about three hours. A two-part movie? I mean, that's, wouldn't that run four hours? Yeah. What? Well, and I'm wondering, well, I'm wondering too, though, George. I mean, I think about the original cast. Right, mm. on Broadway. Right. Adina Menzel, Kristen Chenoweth. Right. I mean, to me, they are iconic when it comes to Wicked. And so not, it, why, not to say that where someone are else they? couldn't take right. that over. <laughs> right. Where are they? Right. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the thing. To me, it's just that it, it's almost like I feel like Wicked was Wicked because of Adina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth, if that makes sense. Yep. And if they're not there, I I don't know if I... Want, would want to go see someone else in a movie version doing that. 
And if I may remind our listeners, for every successful adaptation onto film, i.e. Chicago or The Sound of Music, there was, I mean, The Phantom of the Opera was a flop in the movies. Oh, yeah. A Chorus Line was a flop at the movies. And those were the Dads. biggest shows on Broadway at the time. And they tanked when they were adapted uh, for the film. So just because something is wonderful and and this experience that you can't wait to, to, to share, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it should be a movie. Agreed. Okay. Let's talk about a new movie that's going to come open before Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> yes, well and, before. <laughs> and this one is centered around food. It so let, let, let's chat about this. So, Gemma, I'm going to say this. This film is my new favorite film about food. And there I said it because there's a lot of great movies about food when you think of Big Night or Water for Chocolate. Ratatouille mm-hmm. is this wonderful film about food, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Eat, drink, man, woman. That's great. And, you know, so, uh, but this is such a beautiful film. And by the way, we're, we are coming down a few notches from Wicked. This is a gentle film. This is a subtle film. This is a French film that takes place in the 19th century. It is uh, an adaptation of a book, and this came onto my radar from a book club here in Boise, Gemma. I must tell you that a book club here in town uh, has been reading uh, The Passionate Epicure, which I've heard is a classic for people who are foodies. And it is the story of a well-known gourmet of the 19th century in France and how he just lived and loved food with his lover, who was an even even better cook. And by the way, the woman who plays his lover in this film is Juliette Binoche. And if you do not oh. have a crush on Juliette Binoche, you do not have a pulse. So <laughs> so so here is here's something I wanted to share with you. So I I okay. got an advanced look at this film and I adore this film. And as the film ended so two hours, right? The film ended, mm-hmm. and then the titles begin to roll, and there's some light piano music, right? And 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 I'm thinking to myself, it's like, hold it, is this the first piece of music in this entire film? It's like, is was this entire film without a score? Really? Right. And I was like, and I was really back on my heels because I truly felt as if this film had a sumptuous score because. It had these amazing, crisp, wonderful sounds from the kitchen, right? And it was just so immersive. So let's just take a pause here and just breathe and see if you can even smell as the the cooks are are just making these wonderful gems, right? And I, I couldn't get over this. So I wanted to share some of what I consider is the soundtrack for this movie, which is called The Taste of Things. And it is gorgeous. And either the only question you have here, folks, is whether you want to eat before or after this film. So in this film, we have this character played by Juliette Binoche, who is this wonderful cook. But she takes in this this 12-year-old girl, uh, and her name is Pauline, and but a mostly silent apprentice. And there's very spare dialogue between the two of them. And again, it's a very subtle, gentle film. But I wanted to share this with you. 
And this conversation between them, which is kind of a revelation of the, the mystery of the perfection that they seek. I'll translate here. Juliet Pinoche's character is talking to young Pauline. She asks, what did you think of your first bite of baked Alaska? And Pauline purses her lips to a small smile. She looks down and whispers back, I almost cried. Have you ever cried when you ate something? Asks Eugenia. Well, what do you think happened? I don't know. I, it was such spare dialogue and so mm-hmm. wonderful. And again, folks, it's, it is a very specific taste here. It is a French film, but it is beautiful. I want to put this on your radar because let's just pause for a moment and recognize how France put order right into uh, cooking. It was the French who decided that a dish should be prepared in one way and not another. The French who decided how to set a table, what silverware mm-hmm. and which glasses to use with each dish. It was the French, uh, a French who advocated marrying flavors by complementing this dish with that or this wine. And the mm-hmm. French actually have a word for it, terroir, where climate, soil, sun, and even the air we breathe impart taste and flavor. And again, this film, and it's a it's a gentle film. It will need a little love, but I, I implore you to seek this out. It is currently playing at the Flicks. It just opened on Valentine's Day evening. It is called The Taste of Things, and it co-stars Juliette Binoche. Please put this on your must-see list. I it just sounds beautiful, George, and those sounds of the cooking. Oh my goodness, yeah. like beautiful, yeah. really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, George. So if you want to stay in this weekend, um, and as always, you love public television. I do. And you've got something new for us to watch. I do. It is about flight attendants. And Gemma, you know this because we recently heard this in the news as flight attendants around the U.S. are picketing a number of airports. Uh In particular, they're, they're going after airlines. We're learning that Flight attendants at most airlines, and I think even frequent travelers may not realize that flight attendants are not paid time as they're helping us board on flights. And indeed, they're helping us lift luggage. They're helping mm-hmm. us get settled. Sometimes they're they're calming people down. There are more fights on, on board. They're going through a lot of malarkey, but yet they're not being paid while they're helping us, let alone when they're going running from flight to flight in the right. airport. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's a it's a stunning uh, insight that we're learning. And there is a new documentary. It is called "Fly with Me," and it chronicles the history of flight attendants, or as they were once known, stewards and stewardesses. But in the 1950s, we know stewardesses were a critical selling point for a number of airlines. Uh, Airlines could offer a young woman some unprecedented independence if they became Mm -hmm. stewardesses. But they also had strict age and weight and grooming and marriage requirements uh, that were today, I mean, most of us would say, you've got to be kidding me. But this chronicles all of that, their history and the story of these pioneering women who broke barriers and in many ways, we're on the front lines of the fight for equal pay and gender and racial equality. And again, it is called Fly With Me. Let's listen to just a moment. 
TWA has been shut down for more than a month by a strike of stewards and stewardesses. I don't think we realized what a revolutionary thing we were doing. Stewardesses played a major role in launching the women's movement. They took up economic issues, but they also focused on issues having to do with appearance, grooming, and control over women's bodies. How did these women go from conforming to gender stereotypes to fighting for gender equality in the workforce? I was a TWA flight attendant but I was an activist in the change. I was there. Don't miss this. It is going to be next Tuesday, February 20th on Idaho Public Television and on the PBS app all across the country. It is called Fly With Me. I got an advanced look at this. It is fabulous. I'm so curious about it, George, because I'm... I think we don't give enough credit to flight attendants and what they do. And when you think about what they went through, it's it's almost yes. a cringeworthy when you're looking at the 60s and the 70s of how flight mm-hmm. attendants were treated in popular culture, let alone in the real marketing world. And then how, you know, in the 1980s, they said enough is enough. And they're still fighting to this day. Exactly. Yes. Okay, let's talk about the writer's strike. Now, because when it was going on, George, so many things went dark, including late night talk shows. Mm -hmm. We did not get that daily dose of comedy every day for months. Okay, they're back now. The the writer's strike is over. There is some serious competition because (laughs) Jon Stewart has returned to the Daily Show. Right, and I think this uh, this raises the bar for everybody. Jon Stewart returned this week on Monday night as host of The Daily Show on Comedy Central. You know, he left in 2015, right? It was the summer of 2015. So he yeah. will be hosting on Mondays, each Monday, but he will also be an executive producer for the show going forward through the presidential election. And he, by the way, he brought his A-game. I thought it was is great. He opened up the show and he he said, hey, why am I back? He says, well, I've committed a lot of crimes. And, yes. you know, and everyone, everyone laughs. He goes, <laughs> from what I understand, talk show hosts are granted immunity, right? And it's like, dig, uh-huh. dig, dig. Anyway, I think it'll be really interesting to watch the other talk show hosts. They're going to have to raise their bar, right? Especially when it comes to political humor. So I was... Uh, surfing last night across the dial, and I came across a little bit from Jimmy Kimmel, who upped his game. President Biden posted a Valentine's Day message for his wife. He wrote, Jilly, you're the love of my life and the life of my love, which is um, sweet, but also sounds like the riddle a troll would force you to solve (laughs) to be allowed to cross the bridge. President Obama, he always does things right. He wrote, how did I get so lucky? Happy Valentine's Day to my best friend, Michelle Obama. And you know what? Even Donald Trump posted a romantic message today. Uh, he wrote, Biden is not too old. He's too incompetent. <laughs> as close as he gets to telling somebody he loves him. So the truth is, 
The closest Trump got to a Valentine today was an email they sent to his supporters. This is amazing, and it's real, but it says, Dear Melania, I love you. Even after every single indictment, arrest, and witch hunt, you never left my side. I think that's a line from The Notebook, isn't it? It's... I wouldn't be the man I am today without your guidance, kindness, and warmth. <laughs> Don't blame her for what happened to you. <laughs> and then there's a little box where you can uh, leave a message for Melania. It says that uh, we want 100,000 responses now, and of course, a button to make a donation to St. Valen Crimes Legal Defense Fund. It's... <laughs> so so, uh, so I, I think that Jon Stewart, uh, back on the front lines, I think it, uh, it, it should raise the bar. And... Uh, if we cannot laugh our way through this political season, we're in a oh. lot, we're in a boatload of trouble. Uh, so Isn't that the truth? You know, you think back to the days of when Johnny Carson was it, and his monologue was, you know, the the the, the twelve minute, you know, comedy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of record. Right? It was it was almost right. like the New right. York Times. Right? It, and and he could deconstruct wherever we were politically and the gaps, et cetera. But you know, this is a new age, and you've got to bring your A game. And if John Stewart is coming back, you better be up for the challenge. I 100% agree. Okay, George, before I let you go, speaking of late night, um, you're staying up late tonight, George? <laughs> yeah, I am. After hours, uh, we're going to have... Another round, Boise State Public Radio occasionally has moments where we get to uh, rub shoulders with our dear friends and listeners and supporters. And tonight I will be at Boise Brewing from 6 to 8. So if you're listening right now at 8 p.m., I may be closer to the door than not, but there's a good chance I'll linger as well. But from 6 to 8 at Boise Brewing, and Gemma, honestly, most of the time when I get a chance to talk to people, we end up talking about movies, <laughs> which is just swell. That's just fine with me. Well, I love talking about movies with you and TV and and all of this. So I just always appreciate when you come in. It's just been such a pleasure. Thanks, Gemma. Thanks so much for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Gemma Gaudette. We'll see you tomorrow. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.